Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. This is the second episode of my new series on favourite producers from around the world. This isn't a comprehensive list of all the world's best producers, but those that have inspired me in my wine drinking, wine tasting, and drawn me to new regions, and which have really um, been important in the development of historical or of modern wine regions. And the producer today is Montsecano, a producer from Chile, which is a joint project between a Chilean Julio Donoso and Andre Asatag, the famous biodynamic producer from Alsace. And Montsecano is located in Casablanca, very near to the Pacific coast. Uh, so much cooler conditions than the rest of Chile. And this is one of the things that makes Montsecano really stand out, uh, because it's a very different attitude towards grape growing in particular, and winemaking to produce a very different style of wine from those um, that Chile is famous for. So Chile is really famous for its inexpensive, fruity, ripe, easy drinking, approachable wines. Whereas the, um, the wines of Montsecano are a bit more difficult, a bit more concentrated, not as ripe, and a bit more old school in their approach, a bit more European if you like, because Julio Donoso lived in France in the 1990s. He was a photojournalist and quite a well-known and acclaimed one, and one of his projects was to do a profile of André Ostertag, so that's how he met him. So Julio does have um, a more European approach with that time in France uh, than most Chilean producers do. And of course, André Ostertag is biodynamic and very particular in the way that he grows grapes and makes wines. Um, He really does stand out as unique in Alsace and elsewhere. There are actually uh, two sites that um, Julio and André work with. So Julio is really the hands-on, day-to-day running of the winery. And then Ostertag comes out a couple of times a year, including at harvest, which is, of course, a different time of the year than the harvest in Alsace. So he plays an important uh, consulting role. But I think as the winery has developed, Julio has uh, really uh, learnt what to do in the vineyard and in the winery himself. So they only work with, with two vineyards, the Montsecano and Refugio, which is um, nearby. Um, Refugio is a little lower down in elevation, about uh, 250 metres. And then Montsecano is a little higher up, around about 300 metres or a little bit more. They only make three wines. Uh, there's a Pinot Noir Malbec blend, which um, I haven't actually tried. It would be fun to try that, very unusual. It's uh, 70% Malbec and 30% Pinot Noir. Malbec actually going from Maipo, which is just outside of Casablanca, a bit warmer to get those Malbec grapes ripe, and the Pinot Noir coming from Casablanca. But the two wines which I have tried and absolutely adore are the two Pinot Noir, uh, Montsecano and Refugio. So Refugio was planted in 06, it's kind of the baby brother to Montsecano. And I first uh, discovered these wines uh, working back in Manchester in the UK, and we um, had the Montsecano in stock, and I was quite intrigued by it because it was much more expensive than uh, the wines of Chile usually are. I think it's about £35 uh, those days, so seven years ago. And it was a difficult sell, as you can imagine. People don't really spend that much on Chilean Pinot Noir. So one night, uh, my sister came to the shop, and we opened the bottle to share it, and absolutely loved it. And I uh, customer, a regular customer came in, who used to be a DJ in Manchester back in the 1990s, and we gave him a taste, and he was fascinated by it, and he just kept smelling and then smelling it uh, without actually drinking it, because the smell just drew him in so much, and he was just trying to pinpoint what he could smell in this wine that was so different from other wines that he had tried, and eventually he realised it was weed, and so, and he just couldn't believe that the wine smelt like this, and he loved it. 
Um, after all, he was a DJ in Manchester in the 1990s. But that gives you an idea that this wine is funkier and more unusual and more distinctive than the wines of Chile often are. And so when I uh, visited Chile three years ago, uh, Montsicano was the producer that I had to go and visit. But it was difficult to track um, Julio down. Uh, Their website is absolutely terrible. The email address doesn't work. It just kept bouncing back. I was living in California by then, and so I contacted the California distributors, Brazo Imports, and they managed to hook me up with Julio and just said the best way to contact him is his his WhatsApp number. So I messaged him, arranged an appointment, and he just said, just message me the day before and we'll sort something out. So I did so, and he said, well, just meet me at the the vineyard, the Montsicano vineyard, so fine. And then just as we were getting ready in the morning, um, I realised I had absolutely no idea where the vineyard was and it was impossible to locate on uh, in maps. Uh, so I messaged him again. So he just said, oh, meet me at the squares. And so we did so. And he said, I'm in a coffee shop in the corner. Well, there's a coffee shop on each corner of the square. So that didn't really help. Then he said, well, my car is a red pickup truck. Just meet me by that. Well, most people have a red pickup truck in Casablanca, so that didn't really help either. So I just stood in the middle of the, of the square trying to f- see if I could see him. And all of a sudden, this red pickup truck pulled up next to us, and he just and Julio just said, follow me. And he drove off, so I had to scramble into the car and follow him. And he drove at breakneck speed, about twice the uh, speed limit. And so we're following him along these country roads in Casablanca, desperately trying to keep up with him. And he was just disappearing into the distance, so we just kept on driving, and then we'd see him um, stopped by a junction, and as soon as he saw us in his mirror, he'd zoom off again, and we'd follow him down that road he'd gone down, and that just kept happening, but somehow we managed to keep up with him, and then he pulled into a gate and up a dirt track, and we followed him in a pretty small, not particularly good rental car bouncing up and down on this dirt track, up to the Montsicano vineyard where he was there waiting for us. The um, premises there are pretty basic. The winery is a corrugated shed, but inside of all these concrete eggs, it was a real mixture of very old-fashioned and down-to-earth, but with some very up-to-date equipment. And in the winery, he was there with um, a lady who was waiting for him, and that's because uh, she needed to measure his sorting table, which was from the 1980s. But Ossetag had insisted that he uh, source this sorting table because it was still the best available. It's the one that Ossetag said he had to have, and, he, and Julio had spent several months tracking this sorting table down, and now it needed a special part that the lady was there to measure. So again, that mixture of old and new. And there's also a couple of other guys who are going to tour the vineyard with us. The older man um, was an estate agent who had some land that they wanted to plant grapes on, and then the younger guy was going to be the winemaker and the farmer, and he had a cowboy hat on, and he's pretty young and arrogant and full of himself, and during that whole visit, he was arguing with Julio about vineyard practices and winemaking practices, which really showcased the division between kind of the commercial mainstream Chilean producers who want to make everything as quick as possible, and someone like Julio, is, who is much more about taking your time and really crafting the wine, and that it's more like an art than a business. So as we walked through the vineyard, they kept arguing. Um, Julio planted Montsicano in 05, and he's just still learning about the land. Um, he's just exploring what kind of wine it produced. Quite steep slope, uh, very difficult soils as well, and near the coast as well, so difficult ripening conditions. And lots of cover crop, pretty wild, some of the wildest cover crop I've seen. 
which um, really disturbed the young winemaker uh, because he thought the land should be as clean as possible to allow the grapes to get as fully ripe as possible, whereas Julio was really encouraging um, competition and um, a diverse ecosystem. Then at the top of the vineyard, Julio just planted some new vines, which um, were the only ones he was irrigating. But he was um, irrigating very gently, just about an hour every day, which again, the other winemaker couldn't believe. He believed that irrigation was 100% necessary as much as possible, that he should be doing two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, as regularly as possible, so that he could make wine from these young vines earlier rather than later and make money from them. Julio was just doing an hour every day. And after we, after the others had left, Julio confided to us that he was actually now going to do an hour every two days, kind of to uh, spite his uh, this young winemaker. So very different attitudes. And Julio su- summarised that as um, very typical of Chile's culture, Santiago's fast food capital of the world, and an idea of that everything in Chile is fast, it's quick, it's now, and really explains why Chile's reputation has been built on inexpensive, fruity, easy-drinking, drink-now wines. That's really part of their culture. And Julio's really against that. Everything for him is really about nurturing the land and making sure that the wine expresses that land. And of course, Julio's not the only producer who has this uh, slow terroir-driven approach to wine. Uh, there are other producers in Chile who are exploring um, that, at, who have that attitude as well, and who are beginning to emerge as Chile kind of changes its approach uh, to more premium wines, realising that it can't just base its reputation on these inexpensive wines, but that's still the bulk of that production. But Chile is slowly changing its attitude and trying to change its reputation, and Montsicano and Julio are really key in, in that change. So what do the wines taste like? So Refugio is a bit fruitier and a bit uh, more appro- a bit more approachable when young. So an in- the introduction to um, and to the Montsicano wines, but it has that real nice intensity, red fruits, uh, quite crunchy, nice chewy tannins, very balanced, fresh acidity. It is a new world Pinot Noir, a bit fruitier maybe than Burgundy would be, but I think it holds its own. It costs about $35 here in, the, in California and holds its own against uh, Burgundy at that price. And then Montsicano about just under twice the price, and that's a bit more intense, a bit more closed, a bit more tightly wound, again with the red fruits, and a bit stinkier and a bit funkier, but maybe that's changing as um, they really begin to develop this project and really learn about the land and the winemaking. Uh, there's no oak used in the wine, in, the, in, in any of these wines. So as I mentioned, the winery um, has concrete eggs of different sizes, and that's because Andre Asetag is completely against the use of oak, and um, Julio agrees with that. He feels it's dangerous and can allow um, the, the wine to become faulty. And so again, those that young winemaker was asking about oak and how he could get oak um, cheap so that he could um, use oak but not spend too much money. And Julio just dismissed him. He says, if you want to use oak, you have to go to the source, you have to go to France, you have to meet the cooper, and it has to be new, so you know that it's completely pure, and you have to spend money. And the young winemaker was not happy with that. He wanted to get it as cheap as possible. And Julio is quite dismissive of oak in Chile, saying it's very likely to have some faults in it, so you should never buy oak barrels in Chile, which again disappointed the young winemaker who wanted to save money. And so those concrete eggs give a real purity to the fruit and a, a smooth graininess to the tannins as well. And so there is a little bit of funk to these wines, but I think that's part of the character and um, just allowing the wine to express itself and not being too clean as you might find in the rest of Chile. So Julio's a charismatic, um, entertaining, opinionated um, guy, a lot of fun to talk to. 
He has lots to say about Chile, about winemaking, about grape growing, about his site and how it's developing. Um, his wines have won lots, lots, lots of awards in Chile, and awards and points are important in Chile, though um, he doesn't really care, but still kind of confirms his position as the premier Pinot Noir producer in Chile. But he's quite reticent to talk about himself. So whenever I was asking him about his background and what got him into wine and how he met Ossetag, he would just kind of change the subject. So it's quite a modest man, despite being so opinionated. And then afterwards, I, I googled him, which I should have done before. And the first thing that came up was an iconic photograph from the 1990s of Claudia Schiffer, a black and white photograph, which I'd seen before of her holding an umbrella in front of the Eiffel Tower. And so this is a man with uh, some pedigree, and he is bringing his um, love of art and photography into the winemaking. I think he has the same attitude, the same dedication, and the same attention to detail as well. So thank you for listening. If you've heard chickens in the background, that's because my wife has kicked me out of my office because she's now working from home. So I'm in the garage here in uh, Sonoma County, and our next-door neighbour does have chickens who have been quite loud this morning. Hopefully the chickens didn't disturb you too much. If you haven't um, tried Monsicono wines before, I really urge you to do so because they are really fantastic wines which will rethink uh, conceptions about Chile. So I'm Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. Thank you.